You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. My guest is Liska Jacobs. Check out her new book, The Pink Hotel. Remember to join me August 10th for a free creative writing workshop sponsored by the Los Angeles Public Library. We meet via Zoom at 6 p.m. Pacific time on August 10th. Email duchesne at gmail.com if you would like a direct link or go to lapl.org for more information. And now, Liska and I chat, writing in Mexico and Colombia, the lightness and darkness of Los Angeles. She's reading at Book Soup on Friday in West Hollywood. Go! Martha Stewart's Peacocks, How to Beat Capitalism, Oh Yeah, and How to Write a Great Novel. Cigarettes included. Hi, I'm Liska Jacobs, and you are listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Liska Jacobs. She's the author of The Pink Hotel. And what's great about this is this is the first in-person at a bar interview I've done since before COVID. Liska doesn't know that we could have done this on Zoom. Hi, Liska. <laughs> I had no idea. I raced here in traffic. <laughs> and I went to the wrong bar first. <laughs> That's great. No, this is worth it. It's worth it. It's good to be back post-COVID. I, or I guess we're still in it. Oh, it kind of post-COVID enough. They're going to bring the masks back to Los Angeles any second now. Yeah, right in time for my book soup event. That's when everyone will have to wear masks. Oh, that's this week, right? Yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd be all right. I hope so. <laughs> well, um, they're okay. I can. I got to ask you about Columbia. Yes. That's so, right. so first off, you, I didn't know. So you went to Mexico for a residency, is that right? Yes. I. So. And how do I get that? <laughs> I I was in the middle of the final rewrite for the Pink Hotel, and that book has a lot of um, wildfires and civil unrest. And I don't know if you remember summer of 2020, but yeah. it was a lot of wildfires and civil unrest. And I started feeling a little bit either like I was a witch and I was making it happen. Oh, you're a witch. <laughs> or more, I guess, appropriately, is that it just felt like I was way too close to the material. I, I was going to protest um, that, you know, felt too close to what I had already written on the page. Um, you were going to pro-life protests and stuff like you, you usually know, do. Black, yeah, it was Black Lives Matter oh, that, that, that oh, summer. Yeah, yeah it was that summer. <laughs> summer. Yeah, it was wild. And then at night we were all under curfew, remember? Yeah, it was crazy. National Guard were out. You would hear flashbangs in the distance yeah. all night long. Yeah. And I had already written these crazy scenes where the National Guard had, like, you know, descended on Beverly Hills. And Thanks for the research. <laughs> yeah. But I felt like, I don't know, you need perspective when that kind of stuff is happening, but you're writing about it, too. So I kind of went stir-crazy and sold all my belongings, applied for that residency, um, accepted a six-month residency there, and then my husband and I moved to Chapala, Mexico first, yeah, for six months. It was wild. And this, and you were living in Pasadena at the time, so like, like you were you were paying outrageous rent, at Los Angeles rent. Oh, 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 I'm gasping for gin and tonic. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> yes, I was in Pasadena, and actually we had great rent and a very cute bungalow. Yeah. Um, but the mountains up by Mount Wilson were on fire, and it must have been burning for a month. 
and we had you know it was a cute bungalow so none of the windows really closed and the uh, there was it was an old fireplace so smoke would get in we it was toxic air level you know air outside um a couple nights we had to go to a hotel just to um take a break from breathing in you know toxic air <laughs> so yeah that was it was crazy Let's hit Mexico. So, 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 how did you find this writer's residency? Did you did you apply with your with with the manuscript of Pink Hotel? I did, yes. And I was I actually applied for several residencies. I think I was just googling. Oh, which ones denied you so they can die like the scum they are? I'll no, be, I'm kidding. I'll be you know, polite you know. and say I don't remember. <laughs> and actually, quite a few of them accepted me because at the time I don't think anyone was doing residencies oh. because of COVID and um, the ones that were open were looking for people to fill their spots so I just chose the cheapest one. I and guess. it's good to have your husband with you like if I had to do a writer residency at that time I think I just would have been weeping like I was weeping in Los Angeles. <laughs> <'cause I> just... <laughs> yeah he was a trooper I actually yeah. I don't know why he let all that happened. I mean, we sold our car. We just we we Why, did, why do you say it, he let all that happen? Well, he's, I mean, he's been a major. He's a cheerleader for you. He is, if he I is, was a woman is, and I wanted a husband, it would be Jordan. <laughs> he is. He's great. I mean, this book is dedicated to him. Um, As it should. Be. Yeah, because every book, book is... should be dedicated to him. If the next one's not, I'm gonna be upset. No, he. Everyone gets one book, and this one, oh, okay. I, you know, it's sort of like the book is about. You know, it's about a lot of things, but mostly it's about humanity being monsters when it comes down to it. Um, but I wanted there to be a glimmer of hope in the book. And I think during all that craziness of that summer, there was one night where we were, you know, we had to go inside by 8 o'clock or something like that. And cops were going up and down the streets. And I kind of was like, what is the point? I think all of us were kind of felt like that around that time. We probably still feel that way. And why, like, why don't we just walk into the seat? Why do I even want to write this book? And um, I guess I kind of, this is so sappy, but I, I kind of looked at my husband and I thought, oh, it's, it's because there's this thing that we believe in and have the capacity to believe in, which is love, right? And to fight for it. And I don't think there's another species on this planet that can define it or work towards it. So that's kind of our saving grace. So that's why the book's dedicated to him. You're going to make me cry. No, don't cry. <laughs> but it was funny because after Mexico, we went to Colombia. I still wasn't done with the book. And I'll never forget finishing the book in an Airbnb there and being like, last word, command save. And I looked over at Jordan and I looked around the room and I was like, why the fuck are we in Colombia? <laughs> How did we get here? We sold all of our stuff? Yeah. What now? <laughs> so yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> and then you hit send to your editor. Now, yeah. was that a different sensation? Yeah, I mean, you're always kind of just fighting against yourself and fighting against the page and the words, and it's all about getting them right and doing the characters justice. And then when you finally finish, it's like, I don't know, there's like this roaring in your ears that suddenly stops. I, it's, I guess I kind of go into a fugue state, and it just ends when I finish. You write in a very, I mean, the way you write kind of, from what I remember, this is your, th I mean, every book you've done, I've had you on the show, which I love. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and, and you still play, and you still come, you're like. You're, always, <laughs> always. Like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> um, but uh, you, 
kind of have an intense way you learn. Yes, absolutely. I wish I could figure out a, a less intense way. I think when we talked about The Worst Kind of Want, physically I let that book destroy me. I mean, I was at that writing desk just letting, you know, compression socks, wrist guards, back problems, and I swore that I wouldn't do that again. So it's interesting. How did you explain the syphilis to, uh, <laughs> to Jordan? <laughs> I got syphilis too. It's from the book. <laughs> it's all for research. It's method writing. No. But I, it's funny that I just traded in ruining my body for selling all my belongings and, and leaving the country. <laughs> oh, do you, do you think there, there's something that, has, that there has to be an intensity when you're writing? To, is there something in you that where you, where you feel like intensity has to happen around you to make the book hit a certain I don't know. I, I want to say no, but I also, when the book's done and I look back, even Catalina, I was smoking cigarettes and drinking gin outside every day when I was done writing. So I don't think it's intensity. It's sort of like every book is its own sort of adventure in a way. And I mean, I, there's nothing else I want to do. So I guess I just kind of let the books lead me wherever I want to go. Isn't that the horror of this whole thing is there's yes. nothing else we want to do. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's this is all we get. Yeah, it's a little... And there is no choice. No, exactly. There's no choice. And, and um, if there was, I don't know why anyone would choose to do this. It's a little painful. Right. If you do, it's it's like if you can get if you can not be a writer, yeah. if you don't have to be a writer, I'm like you are living a great life, my friend. Yeah. Well, this is what I told um, my students when I had students at UCLA was, um, this is sort of a choice, but also a calling, yeah. and you have to you have to just find the grit to do it. It doesn't. It sounds silly. I mean, I, I realize there's other jobs that require far more grit, especially during COVID. Anyone in the medical profession, right? Hats off to them. Whatever. They don't have. They have. They don't have the writing calling for life. Yeah, they have a good three years during a pandemic. After that, no, no, no. They're good. They got their Mercedes. They got their second house. Yeah, I will say that's the other thing about writing is it is kind of weirdly thankless I mean I told myself and most writers probably do this too there's not a dollar sign you can put on it but I think I probably tell myself to feel better about that because <laughs> I can think of some dollar signs that would be nice yeah exactly um, <laughs> she's, 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 she's flirting with her. oh uh, no almost s'il vous plaît She's gone. <laughs> um, what was it? So, so uh, what was the choice for Colombia? Why did you say, I want to go hang with Pablo Escobar? Oof. So I went to Medellin, which is where he was, actually. Yeah. And it was originally the murder capital of the world. Yeah. I don't remember how we landed on that. We were both, we were both kind of, we knew it was going to be South America. We were going to Ecuador. Okay. I think we Googled food, actually. Yeah. We googled food and, and this Columbia. Is still during pandemic, so so everything's like yes. shut down. Yes, everything shut down, and there was no. Um, this was pre. Um, what is it called? Not the boost. Ejaculation. No. <laughs> this is this was pre uh, vaccine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, there was no one else traveling. Yeah. We had basically planes to ourselves. We were very careful, you know, and we didn't want to spread anything. We never got COVID. In fact, it was Europe that gave me COVID, so 
go figure. Dirty Europeans. <laughs> yeah. Mexico and South America were lovely and fine. Um, but I think we, I don't want to say we like spun a globe in shows, but it was kind of a mix of, well, where is the cheapest, right? Yeah, because yeah. no one was paying us. Jordan could work from anywhere, which was nice at the time. And um, I like to swim and take uh, Vicodin when I write. Yeah. And it's over the counter there. Maybe you have to delete this part. <laughs> it's, it's unedited. <laughs> God, God damn it. Yeah. Well, no, then. You're, you're committed. So, um. <laughs> Before neither. Sorry. Yeah, I'm committed writer. No, it's. Uh, what was I going to say? Well, that sounds cool. And then what happens when you leave Colombia? Did you make friends there? Was it kind of... Was it? it was completely dead. I mean, we didn't decide to leave. The vaccine became available. And it was mostly... Right. You came to, like, L.A. for, like, two days to get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Well, what happened was we were... The vaccine became a very... I don't know if everyone remembers this, but very early on when it was available, it was only available to rich countries. Yeah. Mostly the U.S., Europe... And South America was kind of How strange. giving a raw deal. Oh, really? <laughs> so we would be living in Colombia and reading about stories where millions of, you know, vaccines were destroyed because yeah, somebody believed that they were bad for us. And Colombia was still waiting for their vaccines. Yeah. Colombians were. And you, we would see the, the fallout of them not having vaccines. Um, people were still dying there. It was very early days, like the early days here. Yeah. And it was hard to to be around and then we started seeing Americans show up to vacation oh um can I get a Sauvignon Blanc oh another gin tonic thank you um yeah so we started we started seeing Americans arrive to vacation because they were vaxxed is what they call it um and behaving like and you sucked their blood dude it was horrible watching them behave like they didn't have a care in the world in a country that oh, didn't have vaccines yet. Right, it was right, horrible. Right, right. So, and we started getting kind of the fallout of that. That's when we get the dirty American, like, mm-hmm. stereotype. Yeah, it yeah. was horrible. Yeah. And we thought, well, it's available to us. We're in someone else's country. We kind of have a duty to go back, get vaccinated, and either come back or do something else because we're just here part of the problem, you know? So we yeah. came back. And then you went to, then you went to Germany. You're just like, well, hey, let, let's... <laughs> Let's do something else. You're, you're like, I have another book to write. What, what, what should we do to just turn the whole world upside down? Yeah, it's been a wild uh, several months, I guess. We came back, thought we would buy a house. It was a wild market. Did not happen. And then Georgia. Where were you looking? What part? Oh, the desert is what we were looking for. Everyone's everyone's like buying. Now, now do you like the desert? See, because I feel like in Los Angeles, we're already living in a desert. I don't want to go to live in more desert. I mean, if I could live in Los Angeles, I would. But that's like, that's like if I won the Mega Millions at this point, right? Or I have like a an aunt I don't know about that has a lot of money that leaves it to me, you know? So I don't think, which is sad. I feel like it's rare to have Angelinos that still want to live here. But can't. Yeah. I mean, actually, that's probably quite common. But it's rare, very rare to have Angelinos that still live here, that were born here. And that's sad. I, and I have rent control. It's crazy where it's just like, I don't, you know, I, I, I would love to move because I'd love to like, have a garden and stuff. But I pay so little money to live in the, like one of my favorite neighborhoods of LA that there's no way I can move. Yeah, there, I mean, after traveling around the last few years, there's no place like Los Angeles. I am 
so deeply in love with this place, and I, I didn't really realize how much of an Angelino I, I was until I moved to Germany, actually. Yeah, it's very much West Coast is such a huge part of my identity. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, down to the marrow. Part of that was helpful writing about this, you know, when I was writing this book, um, and then Mexico and Colombia is something happens when you're not in the place that you're writing about. Memory sort of takes over, which is like imagination and truth, and everything becomes very vivid, and it's sort of like... I mean, you, you read the book. It's very lush, and part of that was so that I could pretend I was still here. You know. Interesting. So it so it so it played a part leaving Los Angeles to finish a Los Angeles book. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wanted the book to be super lush because it's about obscene wealth, opulence. You know, so I wanted the natural part of the book, all the nature, and to be very vivid. And because I'm a, you know, I'm a new Angelino, newish, because I'm from San Francisco, That's so <laughs> I'm still West Coast. Yeah, you're still West Coast. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> it counts, but it's it is very different though mm-hmm. to live in, the, the the living, the vibe is very different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. And um, what, what was I gonna say? I had this I had this epiphany of epiphanies. And, um, <laughs> San Francisco. Well, I was going to say, I guess you were talking about it being different, and it is. I mean, one of the things I love about the book is called The Pink Hotel, and it's based off the Beverly Hills Hotel. I mean, there's no really getting around that, and I stayed there. Yeah, how long did you and Jordan stay there? A week, which is how long the book takes place. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to know what it was like, um, to if the rest of the world really does feel distant. Um, and how long does it take you to get used to like a $44 salad? Thank you. Ooh, thank you. I'll take this. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't take long. I think three days in, I was like, oh, a $44 salad. Sure, charge it to the room. But um, what I was gonna say about the Beverly Hills Hotel and why Los Angeles is different from San Francisco is there's a, a wildness to this area, right? I mean, you live near here, so how often do you have coyotes come down? Or can you hear them at night? I, do, I don't too much, because I'm, really? I'm, I'm more down in oh, East Hollywood. Down. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm in the dirty flats, as they call it. <laughs> but you know, you can just go right up. No, yeah, I've, dri- I've driven, like, yeah. if I'm driving at night, I'll actually, like, see a family of deer sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. At the, and the Beverly Hills Hotel is a little bit closer to the mountains, so they get... I mean, their gardeners are used to coming into contact with anything from coyotes to rattlesnakes to mountain lions, right? And and that's kind of the cool, I don't know, I love that tension, you know, that juxtaposition of wildness and then a place like the Beverly Hills Hotel, which is like pure civilization. I put it in quotes for those that can't see me, <laughs> you know? So that, I, I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah, as in San Francisco, we when, when we when we see the wild, we're seeing human feces and dirty <laughs> needles. So there's we have that here too downtown. It's a Los yeah. Angeles kind of has everything. I was talking to someone. You have to understand, Jordan and I are very homesick right now. So yeah, and, and you're here, <laughs> and we're here. You you have this like you have a glow in your eye, but also this kind of like scared to death look of I might have to leave again. Oh, it's so bittersweet. Yeah. It's so bittersweet. We, we were stuck in traffic coming here on the 5. And oh, don't tell me you romanticized traffic. We did. We romanticized the 5. Heading north for fuck's sake. You know? I mean, that's just what happens. You just There's just no place like it. Uh, so we were saying 
you know, Los Angeles is known for standing in for other great cities on film, right? New York, Paris. But I don't think those cities could stand in for L.A. I really don't. And that's one of the... I, there, there's even TV shows I'll watch just because Los Angeles is shown so... Yeah. There's a stupid show called The Rookie. Mm. Uh, and uh, Do you know it? Yes, of course, yeah. yeah I watch it because they're all over Echo Park and yes. they're all over downtown. Yes. I'm like, oh! Yes. Yeah, I was watching um, on the plane right here, one of the films was The Bad Guys, which was an animated film. Oh. And they animated Los Angeles. Wow. And I, I was... My heart was like in my throat the whole time. And it was just... A, a kids' film, yeah. but they caught the light. They caught everything perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was great to see it. Yeah. I watched the. There was a stupid Nash Bridges reboot. You know how terrible that movie, that TV show was. But they had made that. Yeah, no, no. But that's but that's San Francisco, and I yeah. watched it because it was San Francisco, mm-hmm. and even the latest Matrix, everyone's poo pooing it. But I'm like. Oh my God, most of it takes place like where I used to work. Yeah. I used to have lunch right there. <laughs> but right, I mean, that's the thing about seeing your home, yeah. right? I mean, even if you're here, your home's always going to be San Francisco, you know, yeah. but the West Coast is part of your identity, just as yeah. it is mine. It's, it, you don't realize it until you leave, really. Oh, yeah, I want to leave. I want to go to, I, I, I'm, I'm in, so I, I got a couple of things I want to do, but I want to go to Dublin, Ireland, because I've been reading Ulysses, as I told you, and I'm just like, I think I go, I need to go get in touch with James Joyce. I, I need to smell the crotch on his statue. <laughs> Dublin's great. It's, it's beautiful there. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's a big tech place now. So yeah, oh, you just say, <laughs> I came. I came from a tech place. I came oh, from a place that was ruined now. by tech. I'm sorry, but Berlin's the same way. I mean, yeah, it's a huge tech place. Yeah, yeah, it's taken over the world. <laughs> There's nothing that can be done. Berlin is, I don't know, it's fine. Don't go there. Go to Dublin. That's the place to go. Yeah, I'm interested in Dublin, and, and I, wa- I do want to be in New York in uh, October. I want to visit. I have. I was in New York right before COVID, and I was excited about New York. And I'm like, is there a way that I could live between here and New York, and you know, and live like in live in Flatbush, you know, have roommates in Flatbush, and my rent control place here, you know, where it's just like it seems like it's way cooler than it is, but actually my rent's still like two thousand a month for both places. Yeah, that would be great. I would absolutely, if I could do, get away with that, I would do it too. I mean. I will tell you that I think my next book will take place in New York. So part of me wants to figure out a way to stay there for at least a year or so, so that I can, because you know, I'm a method writer. I, I'm going there for like a week, but I'd like to go there for longer. When are you going for a week? Monday. That's Monday. Oh, okay, cool. Very soon. Yeah. Don't fuck around. Oop, I don't mess around. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, what else do I have to do? I have a book to write. There's nothing else I want to do. It's kind of boring, but yeah. it's true. Yeah, uh, it's it's so interesting. Like so many of the, like these young writers who all live in Brooklyn, I kind of hate their guts. Even <laughs> even though even though they're like, yeah, the, the, I had this one writer on who's under thirty, you know, and, and she's a good writer, but you can, they're just and there's just that. Uh, what do you call it? It's just that little bit of. Uh, oh yeah, I'm a Brooklyn writer. Like I am the center of the That's world. Everywhere though, in Los Angeles, we definitely have those young writers here. I mean, yeah. Angelinos tend to be a little bit more self-conscious because West Coasters tend to look to the East Coast. But get a 
get a East I guess Coast I was writer. that way under right? 30, yeah, too, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but an East Coast writer, get them against a, anyone in a European setting, and they feel just as self-conscious as Angelinos. I think that's one of the things about being human is that we're all kind of faking it, right? I mean... I, I, I guarantee you that 30-year-old or under 30-year-old writer is like a quivering mess beneath the surface, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> how could you not be? I can't imagine it any other way. I really enjoyed the interview with her. But then it's funny, and, you know, here we go. So at the end, at the end, I just said, hey, what, um, would you give my podcast a grade? And she said no, because that's higher. And I'm like, oh, my God, kids are stupid. <laughs> That's hierarchy. It's hierarchy. And I'm like, listen, lady, you know what hierarchy is? Having a book agent and getting your book published instead of self-publishing it. Let's go over all the hierarchy things that you have. Right yeah, there. that's the hard thing about participating in capitalism, right? I mean, I wrote a book about burning it all to the ground. Right. But it's published by one of the big five, which I adore, and they've been nothing but lovely to me. Yes. But are we, am I, is that enough, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, are, I don't think... Like, I understand how people feel like they need more or, you know, the picture looks better over there. But at the same time, it's about human relationships. It's not about what's in your pocket. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, capitalism's really worked well because I know how to live like a cockroach. (laughs) And I know how to, like, I know how to do my own writing retreats, you know. (laughs) I mean, I I feel like capitalism is... I don't know. Everyone calls it late-stage capitalism. But I'm not exactly sure oh, what is it that the third means. trimester. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we've been there for a long time. It's just that more groups, more societal groups that weren't affected by it before, are being affected by it, and so we're seeing that, right? I mean, the wealth disparity now is outrageous. At the same time, would you want to hang out with most of the characters of your book? I mean, I did for like three years. I'm, I love all of them. They're all. I feel bad for every single one of them. I feel like they're all you caught. You feel bad for them. Yes, I do. Because I feel bad for us. I mean, I feel bad for the rat race that we've created that we can't really escape. Um, and that we can't... One of the things that I wanted the book to be about was it's not just about being caught in the rat race. It's about being obsessed with watching it unfold. Right? Like... Um, the other day, if you go on a Twitter at any time, right, the things that are trending are both ridiculous. I saw something about Martha Stewart mourning her peacocks that had died. Oh my God, I didn't know. You should have, you should have like given me a little warning there. <laughs> and you're just like, you know that, like I wanted to click on it because it's just something to like entertain myself and the world's falling apart, right? Why not? You know, yeah. but also like that's kind of part of the problem that Martha Stewart can own peacocks. Right. I hear there's a war in Ukraine, but like did you see what J Lo wore to her yes. like wedding? She's wearing a lot of Reformation dresses, I yeah. hear on her on her honeymoon. I mean that's just like kind of how our society works. It, it works in this weird way where we are kind of none of us are going to at least most of us are going to go to the grave with student debt. Right? Our civil liberties are being eroded. But yeah, tell me more about what JLo is wearing. Yeah. I, I think I, I think we need, um, I mean, and that gets back to like, well, why even write a book? You know, we're just, what are we, entertainers? Yes, we are, but we also are creating mythology as well. Yeah, it is and, hard though. Like yeah. writing something, I mean, like you said, writing something like a book that's going to not just be entertainment. 
that's difficult because people need, especially now. I mean, they kind of deserve entertainment. I feel like I feel a little bad giving them something that is both entertainment but also like take your medicine. <laughs> really? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Only when you read like reviews and you're like, I'm sorry that you didn't fi- have, find this fun. <laughs> I tried to make it fun, but also, yeah, it doesn't feel good. Screw the New York Times. We don't care. Anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, bless them. I'm I'm very I'm very grateful that they showed showed me any love. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that what we're supposed to say? Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Thank like, you. Next. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I told you, I got that tepid review in the uh, Boston Globe. It was a very tepid review. It was lukewarm, which is even worse. But um, but it was a half page, and it gave me a lot of publicity. I was bigger in New England than I was in Los Angeles. But see, that's the thing about writing books is. You know, they are part of a larger system, which is what we're talking about. These, you know, reviews, getting them out there, selling the books, right? And until you get to that part, uh, the publishing part, the circus part, it's all about what you want on the page. And that's great because you can really work a lot of shit out, stuff out. It's very cathartic. This book was super cathartic for me to write. And until it's in the publishing mode where the capitalist machine starts to eating it, or do you start thinking, Oh, maybe I should have done this or that to make it more of like an, I guess, is our job entertainment? I'm not sure. Do you know what I I mean? Well, also, we have to survive. So when it comes to writing a book, a lot of times we're not even making minimum wage. And even if we get a six-figure deal, we might be making a living wage. You know what it, you know, yeah, it's... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But that's what I mean, you know, so when... We're sacrificing. Yeah. We're sacrificing ourselves. Yeah, so these idiots the yeah, who are like, page. you know, what, what do they call them? Important workers during COVID or whatever. <laughs> they can go home and relax. No, no. I'm super... No, let's not go down that road at all. I feel like I do... Doctor. <laughs> I feel so bad, though, that, you know, when I don't think about the entertainment factor and that that's, I'm not sure if that's my job. Maybe it is that it, I should be creating, you know, like the, the sort of twisty, fun plots that make readers finish a book and go, great, I got to check out for my life for a little bit and not, like, take your medicine. I think... Fun, I, take it. No, no, I... Here's your job is you've been reading books and this I'm saying this from my point of view. As as a person who not only is a fan of books, but like books saved my life and reading novels and just kind of getting that inner the really inner like soul, that that urge to be a part of that conversation was everything. So um, yes, I, I, I look forward to entertaining, but no, I'm not going to edit my book to become a spy thriller just to be entertaining. Yeah. So it's, oh. we, we are we are putting a message out. Yeah, well, well, I think even those spy books, not everybody likes everything. And I think this is, goes back to that idea that there is some writer out there that's nailing everything, you know? And I don't think that really exists. And Robert Crace is great. <laughs> yeah, I think human beings are just inevitably flawed and miserable. Um, but there are a few redeeming features, which, you know, I, I hope I captured a little bit of that in the book, at least at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that song? Babies on Fire. Mine, my playlist for this book was... I think maybe 800 songs long. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was fun. Did you do Large Hearted Boy playlist? I haven't done that yet. No, I feel like I'm behind on everything. But yeah. yes, I need to do something like that. Yeah. Do, do, 
you listen to music while you write? I have a really hard time listening to music when I write. I do if I make a playlist for it, you know? And it's that's sort of like a way for me to trick my brain into the scenery very quickly. Like, you know how... Was that a, was that a fingernail in your Sauvignon Blanc? <laughs> no idea. What kind of establishment did you take me to? <laughs> but, but I gotta tell you, it tastes a little more salty than usual, and it's good. It's really good. L.A., I miss it. Um... I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, playlists. Yes. I, I use them as like, you know, like when you're a kid and a teenager and there's a certain song you hear and when you hear it now, it makes you think of that moment when you're yes. a teenager. That's the And kind it's of not thing. really that good, but at the time it meant everything Yes, to you. and it brings you right back there and you can smell whatever car exhaust you were smelling then and whatever, you know, situation you were in. So I kind of force that to happen with the book i create these playlists that i only listen to with the book and then when i write them so so much sensory overlord lo- load overload oh gin what a delightful beverage <laughs> that when i listen to it i am right back there so i do listen to music yeah absolutely interesting yeah i i, I guess for what i'm working on now i don't listen to anything while i'm writing and i don't know why I don't have a playlist for it. Usually I do. No, Usually. sometimes that happens. Yeah. I mean, when I do essays, sometimes I just have to... I mean, for a long time I would listen to the same song over and over. I still do that sometimes if I'm like in a groove and I just need to have the same, I don't know, atmosphere beats happening. This is why my husband got me noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> now, now, so what was one... What are like the top two or three of the playlists for the Pink Hotel? I'll show you. Hold on. Well, you're showing me he's not going to okay, go for right. audio. Okay, Emily Wells, um, her song, I can't remember the names now. It's been so long. Hold on, I'll pull them up and then I'll, I'll redo the top three out of it. Playlist. You really don't listen to anything while you're writing your book at all? Uh, no. Um, for On first drafts and on editing, no, I don't. Because... Um, but, but the, the book I'm working on right now doesn't take place in, like, it takes place in the afterlife. Oh. So I, I just, there is no music there. So. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. It's just, like, ringing silence. Yeah. Yeah, it's I like It's lots of that. sex. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so number one was Emily Wells' Stay Up. Um, number two was Cosmo, Shell Drake, um, Egg and Soldiers. Let me think if there was a third one. Um, if I was going to do a third one, it would be something by Chaplier Fu. I got really into I wish like. I knew any of those. It's a, lot, <laughs> a lot of French electronica, I guess. <laughs> but I, this is why I have Apple Music, so I can like tumble down a rabbit hole. Anything from my era that I would know? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it is it is so long. I, mean, I do listen to top 40 rap like these days. I mean, even when I look at this, just looking at the song names, I'm like, right, I know certain scenes that I I mean I wow. would certain scenes if I have a hard time getting into it I will make a playlist just for that scene that train scene from the worst kind of want where Scylla finally consummates her relationship with the 17 year old yeah. had its own playlist oh yeah the trick is to also make it and then go on a walk and think about it the entire time so when you get back to your type like your, your desk you put it back on and you're like just flowing so what when was what song was playing during her orgasm? Do you remember? I can pull it up on my phone. 
<laughs> if you want me to, I will. Yeah, I mean, her orgasm, Jesus. Um, what, what was her, what was the character's name? Look, Train Scylla, right there. Train Scylla. Uh, oh, you're going to like this. It's called Fool's Rhythm, but it's by a band called Two Fingers. Is that is that PC for your radio? <laughs> PC, that's, that's actually encouraged. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Look it up. Listen to it. <laughs> No, I, I guess, well, you know what, I guess what I do is I, when I, I'm not listening when I'm writing, but I do tend to listen to different things as I'm on a project and not actively writing. Yes, like, there's always a moment when the music starts to come in. Yeah. I usually, when I'm thinking of a new project, it starts with a song. And I don't yeah. really, part of that is because... Do you, do, you know, do you remember what the song was for Pink Hotel? It was Stay Up by Emily Wells. Wow. It was absolutely that song. I know the songs for every single book that I wrote. Oh, okay, and then go through the other one. No, I feel like they're almost making me like, okay, I'm going to read them to you. No one listens to this, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. I think it's called... Okay. It is called... Uh, so Stay Up by Emily Wells was The Pink Hotel. Sound and Color by Alabama Shakes was for um, Scylla, the worst kind of want. And for Catalina, it was Service Bell by Feist and Grizzly Bear. Bell, wow. yeah. Grizzly Bear. Yeah. And then what's, what's the song for your next book? I'm not sure I found it yet. I'm still kind of dancing around it. I haven't found my in, and once I find the song, then I find my in. Isn't it? That's the thing about finding the in. How to in, how to get in, yeah. and that, I like that's that took me about four months on this book to find my in, and then I went, that's the in, yeah. and then it was the wrong in, <laughs> and then I was like, wait a second, and then I had to cut all of that yeah, out, yeah, yeah. and I had the new in, but I had to write the bad in to get the yeah. new in. Absolutely. I mean. The in with this last book, The Pink Hotel, I knew I wanted it to be take place at the what is essentially the Beverly Hills Hotel. Um, because I had read about in 1992, during the riots in 92, um, all the rich people in Beverly Hills didn't feel safe in their houses, so they congregated in the Polo Lounge. And they brought in TVs. While, while Koreatown's just being decimated. Yes, and they brought in TVs, and they watched that unfold yeah. while, I'm assuming, they drank. Oh, dear, that's three miles away. And I think they thought it was going to be like a French Revolution-style thing. So I thought, well, what if we made that a week? And we just had, you know, I mean, the monsters are, are there. They're in the room with them. So um, I, that kind of was my starting point. But I didn't know how to enter it because I knew it couldn't be from the just the wealthy, the 1% of the 1%. And I knew it couldn't just be the people who worked there. It had to be like wealth interlopers, right? Which is where Keith and Kit came in, right? These sort of starry-eyed youths that, you know, the Keith believes because of what we feed young men, he can be anything if he just works hard enough. And Kit kind of doesn't know what she is because she's just gotten married, you know? Um, and her identity is in flux. So they were sort of my... I don't know. My way, that was when I was like, oh, they're fucking newlyweds. I remember pouting because I couldn't find my way in and like yeah. stomping around the house. And Jor or Jordan was like, come lay down, just take a nap or something. You'll, if you just unclench your brain, it'll come to you. And I was like, no, you're wrong. And then I unclench finally. Unclench your brain. Brain, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I um, <laughs> my brain, yes. That's what happened. And then I um, was laying there and I was like, oh shit, newlyweds. Yeah. That's it. That's the way in. And you put them in the uh, the hills in um, Northern California, mm -hmm. which was so succinct because 
what's great about that is where they were is so much better than the Beverly Hills. Yes, well, Boonville, you're going to be surprised how many people think I made that place up because it's called called Boonville. But I I went there, as of course I did, because I'm a a method writer, and I stayed there, and it's a lovely, beautiful place. Um, And I knew immediately this is where they live. There's, there's so many gorgeous towns just in those little areas, little gems. That, and it's and it's fun because yeah, as a, as a San Franciscan, that's what we used to drive through when yeah. we go to Tahoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but as an Angelino, you wouldn't know. Oh, you don't you take the you take 80 to the 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I think what Ilka Beaumont, who's the wife of the current um, hotel manager, um, they're all just sort of looking for something real. And when they discover Boonville and Keith and Kit, that to them is real. And that kind of feels, I don't know, that's just the way our culture is, right? We're all looking for authenticity, you know? That's And then capitalism consumes it and turns it into something else. <laughs> I find that with dating. Like, seriously, like, I, I'll meet these people that are kind of like, oh, wait, this, you know, he's really authentic. But then, but then they're kind of like the Beverly Hills Hotel, where they're, it's just like, oh... I'm other to them. I, I'm, I'm trying to find my other authentic person, but it's just like, oh, wait, I'm other, and they don't understand it, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, I need to be in a relationship with you right now, and I'm like, actually, no, that's not how it works, and then and then it just like goes flat, so. I mean, humans, and the way that we try to seek connection, I think is both tragic and kind of beautiful, right? Yeah. I mean, because... When it comes down to it, we all want the same thing. But there's so many things that get in the way of that. It's it's sad and I don't know. It's yeah. just and maybe that's what's wrong with where we are. There's plenty that's wrong with right now. But I feel like there's more and more things that keep us apart than keep us together. Very true. Yeah. And it's and and I and also I think a lot of it is devices and it's. I mean, I, I remember being a kid in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s when you, like, it, it was just hilarious to never go to a restaurant alone. And I, I, the first time I went to a restaurant alone, I just kind of, there's not, you, you either bring a book or you're, or you're looking at other people. And I enjoy not bringing a device to the table. I'll go eat somewhere alone and then have a wonderful conversation with someone. I, I did that a few weeks ago. And it was the Oscar winner for the documentary of, um, it was the one that Chris Rock was announcing uh, after he got slapped. But I was hanging out with him and his wife. And then they like gave me their number and information. See, that's Los Angeles for you too. That's the beauty of LA is you have so many people reaching for things and it doesn't really have the same... This is why we kind of get made fun of, but it doesn't have this. We have plenty of historical things that kind of weigh us down here. Of course we do. But nowhere near as much as New York and hell anywhere near to, to Europe, right? Like, but here we're a little bit more on the precipice of greatness, right? If you can't make it here, it's kind of the last chance, I guess, right? Well, it's just, and what was cool about them is they were just so authentic, and it wasn't. I was talking to his wife, and his wife is a vocal coach, and he and her were like chatting for a while, <laughs> and and then he's like, "Oh, what do you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, you know." I'm like, Ugh. 
And then, uh, and then he's all, oh, I'm also, ugh. Yeah. And, then, and then we talked even longer, and it was just like, oh, wait, you're an Oscar winning, ugh. And he's like, yeah, well, you know. That goes back to my, my, ori- my original point, which is nothing's ever enough. Because when you pour yourself into your work, and then it goes out into the machine, anything it gives, it gives you back doesn't feel like enough for how much you put into it. That's just, Mark Haskell Smith used to tell me early on when I was at the UCR program and I was writing Catalina, what do you want? out of this like when you publish a book what do you want and I would say as much as I put in and he would shake his head because he knew that's not that's not it's not a one-to-one because money can never be that fame can never be that awards can never be that you just kind of have to find I don't know something else that makes it worth it you know and it and then it is it is worth it but I it's just there's this weird thing that I found when I came to LA I was I was the idiot of San Francisco I did everything wrong I, I was I was a book boom and then it's just after a while you just go oh wait the people who are tired but still do it are the people that are cool the people that are like oh dear lord but have to do it because it's in their soul yeah. that's where the sexiness is yeah I almost feel bad for them but that's true I, well, I mean that's us <laughs> I was um, no it is but I, when I was working at the Getty there was this Kirchner um, notebook that was restricted use only and it was just no- drawings that he did when he lived in Berlin and I used to go down and look at it because I worked there and I could do whatever I wanted and I would think about, oh, well, what was life when he was, like, in Berlin, you know, with all of his artists of Dobruk, and, and it still smelled like cigarettes, for God's sakes, you know, and I was romanticizing it. And then living there, I went to one of the Dobruk um, museums, and during that same time that he was making those, who knows how it ended up here at the Getty Museum, he was about a few months from trying to kill himself and ended up in an asylum. And I thought, well, that's crazy because while I was looking at his artwork, I thought his life was entirely peaches and cream because it's just smells like cigarettes and it's a cafe and he's just like making notes and living his life and a famous artist. But in actuality, he was miserable and terrified that he couldn't pay the rent. And eventually, actually that same year, his group broke up and he was alone in in Europe. And I thought, oh, that's right. We never really know the artist. Right? That's the sad part. Even though all artists do is create work so that they don't feel less alone. What a bummer, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I get that. I think that's all. For me, I just need to be bar, part of the conversation so bad. And that, it's, it's just like, I, I, I need to have a book on the shelf that shows that I'm, I'm part of the conversation. Yeah, to not feel alone, right? That's all human beings want. This is why you're going on dates. This is why, you know, my husband's willing to sell all of our belongings to, <laughs> so that we stay together and we, you know, face the world to, together, right? That's the, that's the, I guess, goal. And, and I adore that. Yeah, you, you guys are a beautiful couple, and I and I think I think we've we, like every single interview we've had we praise Jordan. Do I always talk about him? No, I, oh, okay. I talk about him. I always talk about him. And you're just like, come on, dude. And I'm like, no, no, no. no. It's, I just no, I, you guys a are a great couple. Yeah, it's he's so a good cool. one. I mean, he's it's always good to find someone that's a cheerleader. Not everyone has that, or also someone who has a full time job, right? Yeah. I mean, one of one of the great things is to have a room of your own, right? Whether you're a man or a woman. 
especially a woman I'm going to say but it's nice when you find a partner that respects that there was a lot of people in my MFA program that did not have partners that respected that they were like take get your degree and then hurry back to take care of the children and did was there a divorce involved in some of those I don't think so, sadly. Yeah, you know, but that's just No, I'm just trying to find out which ones there oh, were so I can so so I can give them a call and just see how they're no. doing. Diplomatically Liska's taking over. I don't know what you're wait, talking wait, about. Wait, we'll, we'll quit the interview here. We'll talk on off mic. Liska, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, in that case, I'll have a rum and Coca-Cola. She said, fine. And in 30 seconds time, she said, I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. I want to sleep with common people. I want to sleep with common people like you. Well, what else could I do? I said, I'll see what I can do. I took her to a supermarket. I don't know why, but I had to start it somewhere. So it started there. I said, pretend you've got no money. She just laughed and said, oh, you're so funny. I said, yeah. Well, I can't see anyone else smiling in here. Are you sure? You want to live like common people? You want to see whatever common people see? You want to sleep with common people? You want to sleep with common people like me? But she didn't understand. She just smiled and held my hand. Where's a flash above a shop? Cut your hair and get a job. Smile some flags and play some pool. Pretend you never went to school But still you'll never get it right When you're lying in bed at night Watching roaches climb the wall If you called your dad he could stop it all here You'll never live like common people You'll never do whatever common people do You'll never fail like common people You'll never watch your life Slide out of you and dance and drink and screw Cause there's nothing, because there's else, nothing to do. else to do Go. You're a man. 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 You're
Jacobs on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, The Pink Hotel. Remember to support your local library. Give them books. Borrow books. Use their resources. We're lucky to have them. And join me for the free creative writing workshop through the Los Angeles Public Library. Email me, duchesne at gmail.com for the link to the 90-minute class I'm teaching at 6 p.m. Pacific time on August 10th. Thanks for listening. But my love By the guesswork's wall Dreams a dream By the old canal I kiss my girl By the factory wall Dirty old town Drifting across the moon Cats are prowling on their beams Springs a girl from the streets at night Dirty old Bye. 
Listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. <laughs> 